This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for content creators like you to bring your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Head to storyblocks.com slash 302010. That's storyblocks.com slash 302010. And let them help tell your story. Ryan Reynolds, Party's Down, Don Blue's Cock of the Walk, and Fourth Time's a Charm for American Pie, this week on 302010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Lasers M Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back in time 30, 20, and 10 years into the greatest uh, anniversaries of movies, TV, music, video games, and more. How about that? Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? And Diana Goodman. I have nothing funny to say this week. <laughs> uh, and I'm J.R. Rawls, and I love you, but. Do you love me? Hmm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> reconcile with how I feel about that guy. Jesus, what is wrong with me? This, I will say, this week, despite Diana's lack of enthusiasm, may have spawned more straight-to-video releases than any episode we've talked about previously. That's a, uh, yep. All right, that's a good point. At least There's... I think twelve, from what I counted, twelve straight-to-video releases you probably had no idea existed or spawned by something. Stuff that happened this week. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Toss us five bucks. We'll give you some extra stuff, extra shows, all that stuff. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. 30-20-10. 30-20-10 years ago. April Fools! But not really. Uh, We're not talking about April Fools. Promise. But we're covering April 1st through the 7th in 1992, 2002, and 2012. So we'll examine the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? Good. Fast intro. Did I do it? Am I good? Solid. Let's get into it. God, I just (sighs) can't. I just can't this week. I just can't. Like like one or two of these sort of pique my interest. I didn't bother to go back and watch anything because the Oscars is both my church and my Super Bowl. And it's Mm. been a bad week. It's been a bad week. (laughs) I thought it would be a great week. How often do the Oscars get this much notice? Yeah, I was pissed off before the thing happened. I was like, what is this fucking shit show? And then it just got worse. So I look forward to Will Smith and Chris Rock meeting at WrestleMania. I assume that's what that was about. Uh, <laughs> did he point at the sign afterwards? We'll have an Oscar episode of Laser Time for you very soon. But getting to 30-20-10, let's start as we always do in 1992, April 1st to the 7th. Again, this is an April Fool's free podcast. Uh, even though, did we used to do a bunch of April Fool's stuff? Oh my god. We did, and I have something lightly prepared to the end of this episode. Oh. All the stuff that's you know, too hot for broadcast that I edit out of every episode. I mean, I'm probably horrified and embarrassed. We have a bunch of news to kick off uh, 1992, April 1st to the 7th. Of varying degrees of uh, severeness, Battleship uh, USS Missouri, on which World War II ended, is decommissioned this week. Oh my goodness. Our boys are coming home, finally. The Japanese surrender was signed on board, yeah. Really? Okay. That is uh, decommissioned this week. Uh, And if you watch the movie Battleship, you know, they keep it all gassed up and action ready. I love Rihanna. Um, And then also this week, you might be familiar with a little mafioso named John Gotti, and he is found guilty of uh, five murders plus conspiracy to murder, loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion. So the big break they got in convicting John Gotti came from a bitch session. John Gotti and his friend were bitching about their job. 
Only, you know, instead of talking about the TTP reports that they didn't want to do, they were talking about how they had to murder someone when it really should have been someone else's turn to murder that guy because it wasn't really their responsibility. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but up till now, they called him the Teflon Don. They could never pin anything specifically on Gotti, even though they knew he was in charge. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. Yep. It's one dumb wiretap. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> the, I feel like he's the most famous non-Henry Hill gangster of my lifetime. Yeah, from- I mean, he is a huge influence on the Sopranos. You can definitely see various aspects of his life that got put on that show. And he was the most famous gangster re- in real life up until today. I can't think of anyone who yeah. surpassed him in fame. Probably some yeah. Bostonians yelling about Whitey Bulger, but... I, I stand with you, JR. Also this week, Serbian troops begin besieging Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia. It becomes the longest siege in the 20th century. Asterix? Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. It lasted three times longer than the Battle of Stalingrad and more than a year longer than the Siege of Leningrad, which oh, are... A are year two. longer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Four years of just constant shelling and the snipers. The, the, everything I hear about the Bosnian War, it's about the snipers. They would just just pick off anybody, just just to so show terror. So yeah, Serbia is invading Bosnia because Bosnia is like 44% Muslim and the Serbs are Orthodox. And yeah, massacres start pretty much immediately. Oh it's, um yeah, it's one of those, it's worth digging into now in particular with Ukraine and all of like, how does this shit go down? Oh, it goes down bad. Yeah, and the country is actually highly ill-religious on both the Christian and the Muslim side. They don't actually attend uh, religious services very often. So the graveyard humor joke was they were killing each other over whether to not go to church on Sunday or to not go to mosque. (laughs) Still depressing. It's just just mob mentality. It's, It's ethnic. It's the same thing with Northern Ireland. It's not like they were like, Damn you, you need to go to the other church mm-hmm. and everything will be fine. It's like, nah, it's, it's gangs, man. Uh, yeah, and it's disgusting. And oh, and other things I should have looked into more, though. I think this week is also when uh, Peru's president, Alberto Fujimori, suspends the Constitution and dissolves Congress. What? Yeah, and uh, a couple million people get displaced. And he comes back. He, it's not like he he's still around in like 2000 or so. Also, uh, yeah, Peru had a Japanese president. What Just putting that out. <laughs> yeah. uh, Anytime you think, oh, places there, no one else is diverse. Just America is such a great melting pot. It's like, nah, everywhere is more yeah, diverse like than you realize. Ten years before we got Obama, as we'll find out yeah. uh, later in the show. And speaking of presidents. Did we get Obama? Uh, we, as a nominee. And then speaking of presidents, the uh, story of Bill Clinton saying he experimented with marijuana but did not inhale comes out. And this has been joked about for 30 years. I mean, in 1992, I would say any given late night act, 50% chance it did not inhale a joke will come up. It's at it's, least 50. It's awful. It's, it's, it was awful to hear it brought up because have you heard him say it? It's an undeniably charismatic and funny response. And then a bunch of busybodies pretended to get mad over it. He admitted, hey, I smoked marijuana, but I didn't inhale. Ha ha. And like, I cannot believe that joke got transformed into something so obnoxious and repeated ad nauseum. Yeah, but Uh, it's such, that answer is so, like, it's meant to both piss off and just defuse every side at the same time. Yeah, I guess. Republicans will be like... (laughs) 
Well, he they tried to peer pressure him and he said no, but also that's a bullshit answer. And then like liberals are going to be like, he wasted weed. <laughs> this, this wasn't a well thought out answer. No. This was given at a small, local, upstate New York radio show. I guarantee you he didn't give that much thought to it. It was just one of the, I mean, we talk all the time. I know I say stupid stuff. It just comes out of your mouth. I can't imagine having every last word picked apart for decades. I mean, yeah. and then imagine tweeting on top of that. And, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then moving on to the movies of 1992, White Men Can't Jump is still number one at the box office. And uh, if you heard us last week, at least I'm happy about that. I'm Fun totally movie. happy about that. Solid. And it was one of the only good things that happened at the Oscars. We got a reunion. Oh, awesome. And yeah. I went, yay. Wait, Pulp Fiction's 28 years old. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Right. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about the first movie because I, I don't know if I've watched it in its entirety. <laughs> uh, Why? Because it's it's so batshit. It's uh, horrible. I it is not a good film. I don't know if I'd say all of that now. It's it's a special film with perhaps the greatest cast of all time. Charles Nelson Riley, Sandy Duncan, Eddie, Eddie Dathan, Ellen Green, Phil Harris, Christopher Plummer, and Glenn Campbell in Rockadoodle. Uh, I believe we have a clip. (laughs) Oh, that character. I could have done without the entire lead. Rockadoodle is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. See, I think back to Land Before Time, Mm -hmm. American Tale. Those have solid Mm storylines. They have a very easy to follow hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Oh, these dinosaurs, they need to travel somewhere or or they will die. Oh, Fievel has to reunite with his family after moving to another country. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, explain it to me in one sentence. It's difficult. I can explain it to you. You can't, because it's a bad film. I can explain. There's there's two things that happened here. One, Don Bluth uh, became, and his uh, partners became obsessed with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They wanted to shoehorn in live action sequences. And as a bit of trivia, if you own the original VHS of All Dogs Go to Heaven, the female character was much more voluptuous before they demanded the studio demanded changes like you cannot have a pheasant with tits that big but they, <laughs> they there was a lot of who friend roger rabbit obsession coming yep. in with that and you get these shoehorn live live action sequences they were trying to figure out how to as far as my reading goes they were trying to figure out how to shoehorn live action sequences in and also retell the story which which is from the same playwright as sergio de <laughs> It's Cyrano, 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 I I lost the version. Uh, Yeah, from the 1910 French comedy play Chanticleer. Yes, Chanticleer. You know, the play that all the kids want to see a movie adaption of. I mean, you can't walk down the streets without (laughs) uh, kids talking about 1910 French plays. I mean, that never stopped. That never stopped. He pitched this at Disney. Disney said no. And this is one of the, well, fuck you all. I'm going to make my own Chanticleer movie and call it <laughs> Rockadoodle. But in order to bring kids into that, they had to make an entirely new protagonist. So the hero's journey is obviously Chanticleer, but you're forced to see it through the eyes of an audience surrogate who is dragged into the world of live action animation. And it makes but, very little sense. And he's talking down to his audience. You know, yes. American Tale got dark. Mm-hmm. And when Don doesn't condescend, to his audience, you get that. When he does, and it's like, this is a 
baby movie for babies, you get something that doesn't work because that's not his sensibilities. Yeah. I actually don't think he has the heart of someone who can make a light fun fluffy movie i think he needs that dope of melancholy yeah. and seriousness in mm. his recipes and even his light his lightest that. movie has rasputin in it yeah there <laughs> you go <laughs> in hell rasputin yeah. plotting in hell yeah i i, I love don bluth for that it is it is animation of disney caliber of, of a highly different flavor and i didn't see this in theaters i didn't grow up watching it and i've seen it like twice and i'm just a gog every time I do as an animation fan who loves Don Bluth. It's not, it's the furthest thing from perfect. It's probably not even good, but it's no, it's unwatchable for kids. I used really? my death points for the week. I said, okay, kids, this is an animated cartoon. Didn't really know much about it. I knew it was Don Bluth and I liked uh, a lot of his other works. They noped out after like 10, 15 minutes. It was just like, and I don't blame them. I, really? I wish I would have saved stupid. those points. Oh, I, yeah, I, had fun. I think the meanest thing I saw in reviews was how many people just said, look, we've had Beauty and the Beast. We're beyond this kind of bullshit. And it's like, look, mm -hmm. animation takes a long time. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a little. Unfair. It's like if you like Land Before Time, remember that movie is like a tight 70 minutes. And this is a much smaller studio than Disney. And then when the studio demands changes to finalized animation, that shit takes years. And so this this film has been talked but, about like it's it's been kind of gutted. Counterpoint, there's obvious Jessica Rabbit ripoff character yes. in this. So they could react to something going on. And I, I feel like this is the start of the Jessica Rabbit ripoff coming down the pipe train because it does take time with animation. You know, a fish police had a character who was ripping her off. Now True. we got this one. I think soon we're going to have Hollywood. So I feel mm -hmm. like we're in for about like a decade or two of Jessica Rabbit ripoff. It's pretty, it's pretty, forward. the only studio that didn't like Jessica Rabbit was fucking Disney and everybody else wanted a piece of it. But Rockadoodle, if you like marijuana and animation, I encourage you to give it a, check it out. I, it's, it's. Not good, but it is fucking totally watchable. <laughs> it's fucking weird. I yes. mean, we didn't even explain the yes. plot is what a rooster who thinks he controls the sun coming up he and he becomes an Elvis impersonator. Yes. And then some owls trick him. I don't know. Played by Glenn Campbell doing an Elvis impersonator. It's wonderful. And I love Glenn Campbell, man. I love great. Glenn Campbell. Mm -hmm. And I know it's the final performance of Phil Harris. Yeah. Uh, if you liked Baloo or Little John or. Whatever he played in Aristocats, one of my favorite Disney voices. It's his final film, yeah. and he sounds a little older, but it's still, it's still, it scratches an itch I can understand if Jr. and his children don't have. But like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really ask a kid to be interested in this kind of movie and force this on them. This is strictly for nostalgic adults. And mm -hmm. yes, that goes out to I believe live from the pool house. T.L. Foster, who is constantly arguing this movie is better than every other animated movie. I'm, I'm, I'm almost with you. It is so silly and weird. Um, I, I'm trying to champion it. But let's move on, as we have a couple of other movies to talk about, including uh, a movie Ted Thin, starring Ted Thin Elk, Sheila Towsey, uh, Fred Dalton Thompson, Fred Ward, Graham Greene, Sam Shepard, Val Kilmer in Thunderheart. There's been a homicide on Indian land. He's an FBI agent. What's my cover? Sent to solve a murder. No cover. You're going in there as who you are, an American Indian federal officer. But now... Drop the questions, stick to the assignment, okay? He must follow his heart. You gotta listen to the trees, Hoss. To find the truth. The owl is a messenger. It means somebody's gonna die. Thunderheart, Reddit R. Ooh, two owls in both of our movies so far. Thunderheart. Yeah. 
And Val Kilmer's an engine. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well. He uh, he claims one thirty second Cherokee. So I took a twenty three in me test, and I'm actually one percent Arab. But I think personally, if I were to dress in a thob and uh, do Arabic throat singing to connect to my deep Arabic cultural past it would be silly and dumb yes because i'm not connected to that please, at all it's please just... do it on talking terrific television and not here i would really appreciate that <laughs> but his character in this is supposed to be one-fourth native american which i don't know he's utterly unconnected to it on a emotional level until he moves there but that's his journey in the film because he hated his alcoholic dad and so he rejected that side of himself so i don't know i, I think it holds up better than you'd expect honestly yeah well it's interesting because it's directed by michael apted mm -hmm. who previously had done a documentary about the wounded knee standoff uh and the american indian movement Len leonard peltier and that sort of thing and the the idea of like i made a documentary about this now i want to make it into a thriller that's kind of interesting but i yeah. mean i appreciate doing it that way instead of the opposite way of like i am grounded in the reality now i yeah. can dress it up you know and make it like more exciting even though like the original story is pretty freaking exciting but yeah I and mean, they should free leonard pill to you honestly for, for but, anyone anyway. who wants to watch the documentary incident at aglala o-g-l-a-l-a -A -A, oh is available for free on youtube oh nice yeah so you know it's kind of what they said like there's a murder and there's you know a group that is legally distinct from the american indian movement you know and there's obviously a lot of tension between feds coming on indian land and and getting into what's going on it turns out there's a conspiracy mm -hmm. but that's okay i mean we have another detective thriller coming up that just uh, I, I said i didn't rewatch it but i remember it i might have fallen asleep during it and this was like okay it it falls into a couple stereotypes about native americans but manages to avoid a bunch more that i was expecting and speaking of life from the pool house i did check in with our first nation correspondent sonia and asked her what she thought of the movie and she said that she hasn't seen it but it's beloved in the native community because of the old native woman who's so soft on val and that val and the grandma show up in native american memes a lot there aren't a whole lot of films about Native Americans no, in the present. or set on reservations. The, the most, yeah. you know, the last Indian War was in 1890. So we're 132 away from that. But if you look at Hollywood's depiction, it's almost all during that period. I mean, there's been 132 years of them living on the reservation or assimilating into the cities. That's so many great stories to tell, mm -hmm. but it's honestly not being told all we have is smoke yeah. signals we have smoke signals and reservation dogs which yeah. i loved it's wonderful yeah, me too there's a tiny bit of poverty porn in here but i didn't think it lingered on it very much uh you know reservations are not known for their high income so that makes sense although the last 30 years have not been great for any rural areas in the u.s and i last time i was in eastern oregon it didn't look uh, horribly different from what was being shown in this film honestly mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, hard, hard, hard pivot. Yeah. Hard pivot over into a, a movie I wish I got around to seeing. So uh, silly. Jerry Orbach, uh, Philip Bosco, Michael Madsen, Griffin Dunn, James Woods, and Dolly Parton in the movie Straight Talk. Shirley Kenyon couldn't do anything right. I know you've been holding and you should be grateful. Everybody else got cut off. Until she accidentally became Chicago's hottest radio psychologist. Get down off the cross, honey. Somebody needs the wood. <laughs> Now she's talking her way straight to the top. Next time your husband wants to know about your wildest fantasy, just say, honey, it's you getting a job. Dolly Parton, Straight Talk, rated PG. I have a job, Dolly. It's it's podcasting. Just, just uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, so this, this is, is Dolly's first uh, starring role. She'd yeah. been in other films, you yeah, know, Whorehouse. Whorehouse. <laughs> but... That wasn't the lead role. Right. Here she is 100% carrying the movie. And, you know, you didn't have to know baseball to know Babe Ruth was huge. And I feel in 1992, the same with Dolly Parton and country music. Even people who aren't familiar with country music know enough to know that she's huge. And that's uh, kind of the draw for her more than her acting talent, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, she has this persona, oh, and yeah. it's the same in every movie that she's done, and it's always just a ray of goddamn sunshine. And yeah, Dolly Parton is like the one thing all Americans can agree on. She's awesome because mm -hmm. she's just so cute and charming, so much fun. And that's pretty much the point of this movie is it's, it's a nice little starring vehicle for her about you know this this cute little uh rural girl goes to chicago and like through wacky accidents ends up the host of like a call-in yes. psychology <laughs> yeah. show she becomes the hayseed oprah yeah, yeah. she becomes the, the self-help and you know foreshadowing things that would happen in the future they call her a doctor when she's not a doctor and, and uh, unlike other people she has problems with that and doesn't actually like it and wants to stop it and in the end confesses of her own free will that it was not the case even if that would hurt her career which yep. yeah although i i could live without james woods as her clashing romantic interest <laughs> it's just wow. like you deserve better dolly america's sweetheart james wood mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> it's uh, fine i don't know i mean unless i i kind of feel like it's for dolly parton completest because every other movie she's in is so much more fun than this even if her, it's less dolly i think a big problem is her character doesn't have an arc she yeah. is the same person at the beginning that she is at the end, and that's often a problem. Uh, I saw this when I was young, and it's interesting what stuck with me. There was uh, one point when Dolly was giving advice, telling a guy, well, you go to the store, you pick up a box of cereal that says bran muffins, and you open it up, and it's cornflakes. You pick up a different box that says Fruit Loops, you open it up, it says cornflakes. And he's like, uh, what are you saying? And she says, well, the girls you're dating may all look different, but on the inside, they're all the same person that you've had failure with. So you need to start picking someone different. That was and a walk. <laughs> Damn, Dolly. But uh, it works for her. You know, she tells these folksy stories and they kind of hit home to uh, her receptive people in this Chicago area, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you, uh, yeah, it's fine. With the, Everything goes be down better with a spoonful of sug. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so lesson to everyone. It, 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 to me, looking at clips of this, it just seemed like time period porn. I just because, like, I, I <laughs> yeah. do love seeing like radio treated as an, an just like an equal medium to television and movies and the internet. <laughs> I love that. That's Aww. a good point. This could have been like the big hit of 1946. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It sounds. Now it sounds I'm like wondering... a, the Disney version of a face in the crowd. <laughs> 
what the last film was to have radio as this big giant cultural force. Ooh, Ooh, did was Fish- it this film? It's this or Fisher King or uh, what's that Bogosian movie? Um, oh, talk radio. Yeah, I, but I, yeah. I think that's that those all came before this. I gotta feel like there's one Come. more. Pump yeah. up the volume. I think it's in this time period. Yeah. Oh, now I have a new laser time topic. Fucking radio movies. Sick. Mm. There um, you go. Nice. Oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of, I don't want to do it. Oh, my God. Next um, movie. Is it the film debut of Joseph Gordon Levitt? Uh, JGL, yeah. Patricia Heaton, David Duchovny, Stanley Tucci, Oliver Platt, Dean Jones, Bonnie Hunt. Jones. Speaking of Disney. Yes. I, 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 with that cast, like, I would love to be able to tell you this is like a World War II movie. <laughs> but no, and then I say Charles Grodin, and I think most kid, people my age know exactly what this is. It is Beethoven. He needed a home. Look, I dreamt I had a puppy and it came through. He needed a name. Beethoven. He needed affection. Oh, baby. We talk. Oh, I just love these big, dumb animals. He needed a bath. No, no, no! Beethoven. Rated PG. Oh, Beethoven. Good lord, this movie is fucking everywhere. Uh, so how how can you go wrong with the concept of a dog who gets this drools and wait there's more shakes when he's wet he's like, i mean that's enough for like uh eight films in a cartoon you're right getting he's also he's also big so we have every marmaduke joke working Th- this movie yeah. i i haven't watched since i was in costa rica circa mm-hmm. 2000 and i just remember it was one of the few experiences I watched the whole thing with the family I was staying with in Spanish, a language I did not speak, and like I understood like everything. Like this, <laughs> the movie's so yeah. such a broad comedy. You don't even need the English language to make it work. Yeah. Well, there Hello. is one point where Beethoven clearly understands spoken English yeah. <laughs> because they're talking about how bad a business deal will be, and he seems to understand their business talk, and then decides to ruin it. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't tell if I, I was maybe growing out of this type of family comedy movie, or that the dog wasn't magical enough. Because this this came from John Hughes, sadly, um, who didn't really talk about why he made this, other than why he wrote money. This. Maybe he, he didn't use his real name on it. That's a sign that it was a paycheck. Yeah, but I, I, like, was he asked to like? It's not. He had like four movies out last year. Like, did he really need to make? After Curly Sue make Beethoven, like Curly Sue's a much better movie, a much more personal movie, a much more, much more heart than Beethoven. I just, I don't get it. I don't know. Might have needed a new boathouse. Probably, Mm. it's probably just the people wanting that Home Alone, that Home Alone flavor. Like I just, whatever you got, man. I guess, but I I do love one of the through lines of this show is that kids' movies from 30 years ago are always way fucking darker than we remember. Yeah. (laughs) Because... Yeah, this is all about, oh, this big dog, and oh, Charles Grodin's going to do a slow burn on him. Oh, no, he's getting celebrity. Oh, he's knocking shit over. And then all of a sudden, a guy wants to abduct him to, like, kill him and experiment on his skull. And yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Test bullets on a dog's skull. That oh, is the plot God. of this film. The uh, Veterinary Association spoke out against this movie <laughs> for portraying <laughs> a vet. I'm not kidding. As, as the villain of the movie, which is Dean Jones, if you're old enough to remember the love bug in it, playing against type. It doesn't need a villain. The situation no. 
is its own thing. And yeah, there's going to be a point where he's like, that's it. I'm fed up with the dog. And then he's going to like give away the dog. And then maybe he finds out, oh no, that shelter is going to euthanize him. Then we all run and we save him. Something so, like that. It does not need an evil scientist who likes to murder dogs. <laughs> I uh, really sympathized with Charles Grodin in this film because really? I didn't want to get a dog. My wife and kids wanted to get a dog. So in the end, we compromised and got two dogs. <laughs> but I love dogs. I Must grew up dogs. with a dog. Uh, I really enjoyed the experience. I just didn't want to do all the work of getting a dog, yeah. which I was really worried about, as is Charles Grodin. And Charles Grodin in this film is shown to be 100% correct. Mm -hmm. His wife and kids, what we see on the film do not do all the dog stuff that is required. And all of that is stuck with him. So he was right. He was like, I don't want to get stuck with the work. And they were like, we're going to stick you with all the work. Yeah. With this like 175 pound dog. Yeah, I'm about to dislocate uh, your shoulder when you take him for a walk. I'm about to sell my and goddamn cat. She's constantly running around the computer wires right now and farting. Like <laughs> one cat is more than I can handle, let alone a giant dog like this. And this is a super broad comedy. You've got to just, roll with it there's a point when uh, charles grodin is lying in bed and beethoven a 170 pound dog comes into bed with him and he mistakes that dog for his wife so apparently bonnie hunt licks his face <laughs> and he likes that because he says to her has daddy's little girl been naughty so that's his response. And just as an FYI, there's a 25-year-old age difference between Charles Grodin and his wife in this film, Bonnie Hunt. Right. Right. Because, uh, you know, we just recently lost Charles Grodin. And the saddest thing I had in my notes is, like, this is probably his highest grossing film, his most widely seen anything and really doesn't speak to his talents at all. No. I mean, maybe and it does. My God, so many sequels. Yeah. I did not realize oh. that how, how many. Can I do the Micro Machine Man and read them all off? Sure. Please. Beethoven, 1992. Beethoven's second, 1993. Beethoven's third, 2000. Beethoven's fourth, 2001. Beethoven's fifth, 2003. Beethoven's Big Break, 2008. Beethoven's Christmas Adventure, 2011. Beethoven's Treasure Tale, 2014. Beethoven the Cartoon, Saturday morning, 1994. So that's eight films and one TV show. Home Alone didn't get that many movies, uh, didn't, didn't get that much attention. Because they're cheap. I mean, yeah. once you're on Beethoven's The Fourth, you just go down to the local pound and say, the big one, that's good enough. And get the cheapest actors you can find, and you're guaranteed it is, it, a paycheck. It, it, it's something, we were, we were digging really deep in like a master class in bad movies, and that involved children's movies. And it was pretty astonishing how like all D-budget movie a kid's movie all they need is to center around any kind of animal no matter if they're well trained or fun to look at and there's so much of that so i i don't know i guess that's the appeal even though like beethoven i only saw the second one but beethoven just doesn't have enough of a personality do you want to follow beethoven on his own it's a story about the family with a dog i mm. want to see the dog solve crime and <laughs> do, do lassie <laughs> shit that dog is huge is it not yeah. a saint bernard Yes, St. Bernard. Yeah, St. Bernard. Like, yeah, the dog's going to be, like, saving people, doing something. He does heroic stuff, but, like, I don't know. It's more wackety-schmackety. And uh, I remember just not liking this, even as a kid. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't love this. I thought I would. But yeah. Beethoven? Ugh, Beethoven. In my head, I'm just going to make it my own personal head canon, and this is where Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt met. Uh, and then because <laughs> they made two wonderful movies together. Um, 
that they wrote and directed and stuff. So wonderful. Big night. Everyone go watch Big Night and leave Beethoven alone. Yes. And then moving on to television of 1992, April 1st to the 7th, NCAA March Madness Finals. Duke beats Michigan after that game of the century. Duke um, sucks. Duke sucks. Uh, AFI Life Ach- Lifetime Achievement Award, Sydney Poitier. Speaking Yay. of recently deceased, but at least he was honored 30 years ago. We appreciated him while he was here. And then the debut of a show that I really need to just ra- I don't know I need to relax about Barney and Friends debuts too the, easy it's too easy a target but I, the, everyone went crazy on this the raw unmitigated hatred of Barney in the 1990s is really really hard to understand today and I think it's because it's the first television show geared towards preschool yes well sesame street is not geared towards preschoolers technically uh mr rogers is not geared towards preschoolers this is very much for kids in the like three to five you know or two to five even and that is not a mindset most adults can put yourself in and that's unless incredibly incredibly and this was <laughs> so I'm like I'm 12 here and I don't have a, a super young sibling my sister would have been nine but like in the households I was traveling in this was it felt like this was on all the time if there was a kid mm-hmm. of a certain age in that house and the song was everywhere and the merchandise was everywhere and it's why we sort of gave shit to death to smoochie like Every dark thing you could think of with Barney was done during that period of hatred, even though Barney would, what, continue to go for another, like, uh, almost 20 He's years. today. Oh, it's, I think. the original show went for, like, 20 years. Okay. But, like, uh, yeah. and and my my hatred was rekindled because uh, when I was visiting my parents for the holidays, I saw, you know, I was a little messed up, and it was late at night, sun's coming up, and I saw the Barney movie was coming on, and, like... I watched that shit and like, this is insipid. This barely counts as being written. Is this film being improvised and then repeated? It is so weird and so awful and just like, but it's not for adults. And I I, I, I know I need to reconcile that. Like, I I don't have this kind of vitriolic hate for Teletubbies, which was, I think, geared even younger than, than Barney was. But I think when you talk about talking down to kids, that's what Barney felt like. Even when I occasionally come across an episode of Sesame Street, I'm like, oh, that was clever. What Sesame Street was doing. I, I was that. I hope kids got that. Uh, Barney, I never felt like that. Like, Jesus Christ, I hope kids are smarter than this. Because it's not meant for that. Again, it's it's for the under five crown. True. And it was incredibly successful. It sold 90 million videos wow. and 50 wow. million stuffed animals. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and God, this. Yeah. yeah. And let's not forget, he was uh, at theme parks. Those, those, your Knott's Berry Farms and SeaWorlds had to license something. Barney was all over the place. It was really kind of obnoxious, but man, I would have loved a purple dinosaur if I was five. <laughs> yeah, originally he was going to be a teddy bear, but they workshopped it until he became a dinosaur, and the Yay. color of purple was chosen to be as gender neutral as possible. Because huh. they wanted a color that both girls and boys could get, you know. Yeah, they without... wanted to make it look like a Tyrannosaurus and a Joker had sex. <laughs> Out comes uh, Barney. But the design is kind of interesting. If you look at Barney's eyes, they're kind of creepy yep. eyes. I mean, they mm-hmm. look like either dead or stoned or both. I, I always find his teeth kind of spooky. Yeah, that's that fair. That he has teeth at all is weird, but that they're just sort of these weird and round and they're very prominent, though. But if you Google Barney with human teeth, prepare for nightmares. <laughs> oh, God. I, I think that was also like my issue. I found it sort of cheap. Like just Barney, it looks cheap as hell. 
And to be fair, there's a limited range of what it could deal with. Uh, Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street both dealt with death. You know, Mr. Rogers famously dealt with the assassination of the 1960s. And Barney could never do anything like that. I want you to try to picture that purple dinosaur talking about <laughs> death or assassination. It does not work. See, kids, this is why President Clinton's being impeached. And with the bump stock, the ki- <laughs> with the bump stock, the killer never had to reload. <laughs> Barney debuts 30 years ago. Either you're really young or welcome to your nightmare. A Man and Machine debuts this week. I don't even know what that is. It's the incredibly original concept of what if a cop was a machine. And uh, There's two it's of those this week. Called Man. The, the human cop is called M-A-N-N. I get and it. he's uh, partnered with a robot cop who at first he doesn't know is one of the new robot cops with, get this, she's developing emotions for the first time. And it's uh, explicitly Gross. stated that she has the emotional maturity of a seven-year-old. Let's put a gun in yeah, her hand. Yeah, and she's yeah, very attractive, too. Yeah. What yeah. the <laughs> fuck? All right. Well, I'm kind of impressed. That, all right. It's co-created by Dick Wolf, and their captain is Patha Merkerson, who then two years later would go on to Law & Order and stay there for like 17 years. Mm. So I guess that's where they realized she was cool. Yeah, Yancy Butler plays a sexy robot cop. Okay. A man and machine. Speaking of man, <laughs> a Stand By Your Man debuts, which... Pretty, pretty, very soon for a spinoff. Stand by, I'm just kidding. Stand by your man. Uh, we'll have the opening credits explain to you the premise. The only thing the girls had in common was the dirty little secret their husbands kept from them. Well, when she moved in next door, it was clear they didn't belong. You know, he claimed to have a business more than one as it turned out. The defendants are hereby remanded to the state penitentiary for a term of no less than eight years. Say your goodbyes. Now, under the prying eyes of nosy neighbors and our hidden cameras, the girls face a new life as convict wives. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of high concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's two women who Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, the big thing they have in common is that their husbands are partners in crime together. And then both their husbands get put away and they move in together for reason. And then there's a hidden camera crew filming them for reasons. I would watch a show with just these stars living in a house because it stars Melissa Gilbert and Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, Sam what McMurray playing a I feel like it's probably, you know, the start of Rosie's Rise. Yeah, yeah. it's a her sitcom lead, apparently, and it was Melissa Gilbert's return to television after Little House on the Prairie. Wow. Stuck. Why? And Why? Uh, if that wasn't enough great TV for you this week, Steel Justice is out. According to the description, a futuristic cop aided by a sage time traveler fights the bad guys that killed his son with the help of his son's Robosaurus toy, which grows into a full-size flame-snorting, car-crushing monster truck dinosaur robot. And we're not making this up. No. And it was supposed to be a series. Yes. <laughs> They wanted to make the series about the car-crushing monster truck yeah, look, dinosaur yeah. robot inhabited by a dead child, I guess. Yeah, so I I know the pitch meeting went this. It's, hey, you know, my cousin, he he runs the Truckosaurus, and I think we can loan it during the off-season. <laughs> yeah. uh, what'll the plot be? Who gives a fuck? We got Truckosaurus. Come up with something in five minutes. Go. And now you, now you made me start thinking... 
of the monster truck off season, like the spring training for, <laughs> for monster trucks. Oh. Monster trucks getting flabby and out of weight. Coach yeah. threatening to kick the monster truck off the team if it doesn't lose a few pounds. Grave Digger is taking performance enhancing petroleum. Oh, it's oh, I love everything about Steel Justice. And but then I, you know, I went and looked up the trailer and like this looks cheap beyond what you even think this is. Like it is. It, yeah, it is. It does not look good in in very, very, very eighties for the nineties. And and Truckasaurus appears for one minute maximum of two. So I don't know what they'd do if it was a series. If they would have just like Power Rangered it, where it's like, mm-hmm. look over there, it's Truckasaurus by the buildings he's always next to. I mean, if you've never yeah. seen, I forget what it, Truckasaurus is. The Simpsons version of whatever this is. Oh, is there? I always think of it as Truckasaurus. No, no, totally. So one. do I. Yeah, there's a real, but like. They when you they show him the commercials they show him from the waist up because he's like he can't move <laughs> he's, he gets he gets rolled out and massive <laughs> pylon stakes go down so he can mildly move his head and breathe fire back and forth so there's not really much do you remember those like dinosaur those those dinosaur robots that would tour museums am I am I crazy here I yeah it's like trying to yeah. make a show out of that like a a very limited a, a thing with very limited movement. Um, and I, I think you can find it on video in some territories just as Robosaurus. Okay, yeah. Robosaurus is apparently the real one that yes. inspired Truckasaurus. Ah, so, yeah. uh, uh, okay. I think I've seen some bad movie sites review Steel Justice, and it makes as little sense as you would think. Mm-hmm. About time traveling, dead son, cop, robot dinosaur. I like Death to Smoochie. That's, these are a lot of details that should have unfolded throughout the course of a season or two instead of mm-hmm. uh, 80 minutes. And uh, moving on to games of 1992, we're going to talk about all NES stuff this week. Hatchress, silliest Tetris ripoff that has ever existed. It's exactly what you think it is. Stack hats. Uh, made by the guy who made Tetris, who made it in the Soviet Union, so he didn't get bubkiss. So mm-hmm. I'm sure once communism fell, he was just going, hey, you know, I'll make Tetris, except with hats. Huh? <laughs> That's worth a paycheck, right? Please, Ugh. I need bread. I'm a man of only one idea. <laughs> Hook is out based on the movie we didn't like. and uh, uh, You've got a tiny little sword. And, you know, anytime I play an NES game where I have zero nostalgia for it, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the case with this. So I'm sure my memories version. aren't influenced by nostalgia. And just I coincidentally only played the good NES games. I mean, that's but, it. The, the only good Hook game is the arcade version. So play that one. Uh, the mutant virus crisis in a computer world, not the computer world. Just imagine you shoot own. to turn one color to a different color, and if you <laughs> get enough of a color, you win. Paperboy Two comes out on NES without the so, bicandle controller. Sadly, I feel I should explain this to our younger listeners. See, listeners, a newspaper uh, used to be delivered <laughs> to your home. But yeah, yeah, it's it's all about being was, a paper boy. It was also you a ride. job you could have before you and your friends were mining Bitcoin and Pokemon ripoff games. And that... according to this game, it's a game that you can have in the afternoon while everyone is on the street, and not something you do at four in the morning. Yeah, man, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't know what it's like to have to throw a paper at a door through a bunch of brake dancers and remote control cards. <laughs> Diana, I did have some questions. You know, all uh-huh. I know about the paper business, I learned from this game. So when you cancel your newspaper s- subscription. Are mm-hmm. you required to paint your house a different color or does the <laughs> newspaper company do that for you? Uh, <laughs> no, that's all on you, man. You got to okay. do it. Sorry. Now, 
the paper boy is constantly getting headlines about his work. Like that's the oh. only front page thing. News. The front page news every day is how the paper boy did his job. <laughs> is that ever the case for copy editor? Do you ever get like a front page article, copy editor, copy <laughs> the edit? Um I should, though. I should demand whenever I, I have, like, a really good catch that would have been embarrassing. No. There you but go. no, it's like, yeah, copy editor saves world from pubic library. No, I don't get, <laughs> I don't get the credit I deserve, man. That's a shame. Uh, we also yeah. have Toxic Crusaders, the uh, G-rated property based on a highly R-rated property uh, based on the cartoon. Uh, yeah, the they, they make a stupid mistake in this game. The Toxic Crusader is hurt by toxic waste, which I feel is mm -hmm. off brand. I didn't That's see the show. He's fighting it so much because it hurts him. And then uh, Wizardry 2, finally, the Knight of Diamonds is out this week. This is like one of the first RPGs of all time. It's like an early 80s RPG oh. converted to the NES, and it's almost exclusively text-based, which is weird Ugh. to see on your NES. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I hated text-based games in the NES. Uh, and then books, a rare book, A Fire Upon the Deep, is out this week by Werner Vrnge. Um, uh, so Werner Vinge was the guy who came up with the idea of the technological singularity. Basically, real Ugh. quick, the idea is that if we can ever create an intelligence smarter than ourselves, like a computer that is smarter than a human, there's no reason that that smarter intelligence won't use its smarter intelligence to create an intelligence nice. even smarter than it, and so on and so forth. But a bing, but a boom, matrix, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> but this is a grand opera in space, which also has Usenet. Like the way faster than light travels is you can only send like a kilobyte of data across the galaxy. Mm. So everyone is doing this like text-based galactic system. And it has genuinely alien aliens. You go to Star Trek or even Star Wars sometimes, all the aliens are basically humans Humanoids. at their core. This one, there's a group of aliens who are dogs but they're a hive mind like it takes five dogs to have the intelligence of one human and when they come together they have that intelligence but if they separate they lose their sense of self their sense of identity their memories so it's a pack mentality and it's really explored it's a great novel i highly Whoa. recommend it. Yeah. zone of thoughts number one <laughs> zones of thought number one not zone of thoughts yeah. and then going to music of 1992 save the best for last by vanessa williams is still number one uh, remember the living color parody you can all just kiss my ass <laughs> new releases this week include diva by annie lennox dead yeah, series yeah. by uh, das efx um and the the nine on earth soundtrack by tom waits Oh, uh, Diva by Annie Lennox is so good. And they made a big deal about like Annie Lennox's solo debut. And it's like the Eurythmics was two people. <laughs> it's just her without that Dave guy. Yeah, I, I remember this. I'm just paying attention to music at this point, And I'm walking. I'm like, who the fuck is Annie Lennox? And mm -hmm. I remember someone's like, she's from the Eurythmics. And like, I just became awake like a, six months ago. I, I don't know. I don't have any <laughs> basis. So this is her, her solo debut. It's her solo debut, and right. it is, it's is—it's got some really good songs. Why and uh, Walking on Broken Glass were both oh, pretty decent-sized hits. Yeah, right, yes. You know that one. Uh, but why? Were they, they stretched the word in like 19 syllables for the chorus? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got it. We'll, let's close out with that. Why by Annie Lennox. But stay tuned, people. we got a lot more to talk about in 2002.
Are you a content creator like the good folks here at 302010? If so, I don't need to tell you how time-consuming it can be to go searching for that perfect video clip, image, sound, or piece of music to put the finishing touches on your latest project. How nice would it be to have a huge library of royalty-free content at your fingertips? Well, I have good news. Storyblocks is here to help creators like you bring all your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks gives you access to a huge, demand-driven library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. Assets are royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. Their unlimited all-access plan includes over 1 million assets in their library, including things like the background music you're hearing in this very ad. Whether you're a seasoned content creator or someone just dabbling with your first YouTube or Twitch channel, Storyblocks offers a selection of flexible subscriptions that fit every budget and scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on what's most important, creating. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at storyblocks.com slash 302010. Once again, that's storyblocks.com slash 2002 with oops oh my that's oops then parenthetical oh my by tweet uh, off of southern southern hummingbird featuring missy elliott i have never heard of this song <laughs> well, it, it did pretty old. well and now it's really fucking hard to google yeah <laughs> oops tweet okay poor gal she picked an original name welcome to 2002 New releases this week also include Cry by Simple Minds, Hand Cream for a Generation by Corner Shop, and the self-titled debut of Ashanti, McCluskey, and McCluskey Do Dallas by McCluskey. Ain't It Funny by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule is still number one. 2002, April 1st to the 7th. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. This week, the Netherlands legalizes euthanasia, becoming the first nation in the world to do so. Dang, they're on a roll. They just did gay marriage like a year ago. Yeah, man. Really making some room on the uh, freeway there. <laughs> yes, Netherlands really known for its freeways and dependence on cars. I... <laughs> <laughs> its bike lanes are uh, much less clogged at this point. And also this week, Israeli forces surround the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem into uh, which armed Palestinians had retreated and a siege ensues. And now everything's fine. <laughs> Church of the Nativity is a lot of weird shit goes down there, man, because obviously it's, you know, supposed to be where Jesus was born. And so a lot of different religions are basically in charge of parts of it, mm-hmm. where it's like the Catholics have this part and the Orthodox have this part, the Greek Orthodox have this part. And all of them don't like it when armed dudes show up and the Israeli Defense Force surrounds it and wants to start oh. shooting at it. I wonder why. But anyway, the standoff lasted more than a month. They uh, cut a deal where uh, the militants were either sent to Europe or the Gaza Strip and not, you know, all shot. That's good. Hooray for Israel and Palestine. (laughs) I have no way to segue from that uh, into the movies of 2002, April 1st to the 7th. Panic Room is still number one at the box office. Man, but a bunch, uh, a cool movie, a difficult watch. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Uh, with uh, Song Kang Ho and Shin Huk Kyung. This is the first of the Vengeance trilogy, the middle of which is the by far the most famous old boy. Right. 
a fucking fantastic movie with one of the worst American remakes I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, it's written and directed by Park Chan Wook, and wasn't as well received as you'd think it would be. No, um, it, yeah, it, I mean, it's a tough okay. movie, and yeah, all those movies are tough. Whether it's this or Old Boy or Lady Vengeance. No, this is this is different. It, it seems like something that would get nominated for an Oscar nowadays. It's except that it's very violent. A deaf mute man tries to get an organ transplant for him or his sister. It's been a while since I've seen it, but he's fired. So they try to kidnap the executive who fired him. Hmm. And then everybody ends up committing acts of horrible, horrible revenge. And everyone ends up all dead or dismembered, including a dismembered, literally dismembered. Um, but it's a much quieter and smaller movie than, than old boy, which is, which to me like shaped the way I thought of Korean cinema. And I've watched that movie like 50 fucking times. Uh, oh dear Lord. Yeah. Lady vengeance. The third one is just balls out pulpy fun with some unsettling scenes, but this is, yeah, this is a slower, quieter unsettling that feels more akin to, uh, you know, not, not necessarily uh, drive something like drive my car because that was, I really expected murder to jump out of every corner of that three hours and it never did. <laughs> But anyway, moving on to the the biggest cast of the of the entire show for a movie that is haha troubled. Andy Richter, DJ Qualls, Michael McShane, Sofia Vergara, Jason Lee, Omar Epps, Heavy D, Patrick Warburton, Janine Garofalo, Dennis Farina, Johnny Knoxville, Tom Sizemore, Zoe Deschanel, Ben Foster, Stanley Tucci, Renee Russo, and Tim Allen. Whew, in uh, the much delayed Big Trouble. I may look like the last guy who could save Miami. It's a bomb! But with the help of real professionals, like the cops... You've been drinking tonight. No. Yes. And this hitman... A gift from the wife. Nothing's gonna stand in our way. It's not a goat. Big trouble. Put something in here before you go home. Why don't I put something in there right now? Oh, uh, <laughs> big trouble. I, I didn't think this movie was terrible but yeah. it, but it is uh it, it man it, it had a stink on it it's, a, mm-hmm. it's about two years old yeah it was supposed to come out september 21st 2001 mm-hmm. but... and that wasn't going to happen because a major plot point is a suitcase nuke being taken on a plane not, not only that, uh, allegedly the, the marketing campaign was really playing that up mm-hmm. to the point where when it came time to market again like it was almost abandoned um, just like, what do we yeah. do? But it's a Dave Barry's first film adapted into, I don't know, Dave Barry's a big deal to younger folks out there, but uh, the author, the columnist, his sitcom Dave's World with Harry Anderson is based off of him. I like yeah. his work. I find it to be pleasant. Um, um, just, I don't I, my dad see him as a film guy. It's a comedy columnist, which yeah. you don't, uh, he's like the only one I can no, think I, of. I, Was it him or Hyacinth that just like, there's no more money for columnists in new p- newspapers, and they just mm. wrote their last columns, I think, if I'm ah. not mistaken. But Dave Barry was like your parents' favorite humorist around this point, and I don't think he'd had a movie based on a narrative book that he'd written. So no. my, I know my dad was plenty excited for because, God, would he crack up to Dave Barry on a Sunday morning. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got to read this, son. Like, I don't understand any of this. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And he's just like Carl Heisen. They, I think they kind of go together and that they they really love being Floridians. Yes. And really diving into how fucking nuts Florida is. Long before Florida Man was a meme. They really appreciated like, oh, yeah, I live in a state where sometimes iguanas fall on you. Yeah, and just this is a Barry Sonnenfeld movie that looks to be in the vein of uh, Get Shorty. Mm -hmm. And maybe... 
was all our affection for ragtag criminals all used spent up at this point hitmen and this and that's mm, yeah that's a that's a good point because it is it is one of those movies where like there's eighty thousand characters they're running around and mm-hmm. most of them don't know what we the audience know and so they're walking into situations that are just ridiculous you know like this uh it starts out with a kid is like part of a high school game where he has to like squirt gun assassinate someone so he goes to her house but turns out like her dad's actually being assassinated by an actual hitman right now and so oh. we get wacky schmacky and then they <laughs> run away and then you know her dad tries to buy like a rocket to protect himself and ends up with a suitcase nuke wacky and, <laughs> and there's lots of oh and then this guy double crosses this guy and then but he's in love with the made now and so she helps him and it's like it's not great but when i finally got to watch it because it took years it seemed like like it's not awful like it, it could have used another couple drafts maybe because mm-hmm. it's pretty uneven but it's pretty i mean there's so many good people in this and everyone gets at least one moment yeah they really get to shine so patrick warburton gets a strip yeah take it off yeah I thought. <laughs> big trouble ladies and gentlemen big trouble yeah, so I feel bad that they abandoned it. Yeah. And just, yeah, it wasn't a good time for this kind of movie. They got fucked over. But it's worth watching. Yeah, it's, it's something we saw at the beginning of COVID. Just like, most theaters are shut down. Like, we're going to release this in film theaters anyway. And like, this is an abandoned film. You have just given <laughs> up on this and written this off. Or had it lead your streaming Ooh. service. I wonder if that would be too soon for a laser time topic. Films released during COVID in Ooh. theaters. Yeah, we uh, have to talk too much about Trolls World. I don't have a good segue to this, but it's a movie I definitely saw. Should have been called The Rise of Ryan Reynolds. There, how about that? It's um, true. This is big, big breakout role. Yeah, Curtis Armstrong, Emily Rutherford, Tech Holmes, Daniel Cosgrove, Paul Gleason, Tim Matheson, Cal Penn, Tara Reid, and Ryan Reynolds in National Lampoon's Van Wilder. From National Lampoon. We've got a jumper! Feeling stressed? Meet a guy who can make college a little more relaxing. Who, me? He's not a professor, but he'll teach you math, phys ed, hygiene, and anatomy. But when he's kicked out, Van Wilder's tenure here is over. The student body will fight to keep him. National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Surely you have a career in mind. Not really. Rated R. Um, Jesus, at this point, National Lampoon, I don't even think it was a magazine. But due to the success of Animal House, raucous college comedies... Bro comedies always mm. got a fix with yeah. his National Lampoon title. Yeah, but if yeah. their name was on it, it's probably bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a while since any National Lampoon film was good. I think yeah. Christmas Vacation was the last genuinely good one. I like yeah. Senior Trip. Uh, no, I don't. I don't hate hate this. It's just not a personal favorite of mine. I think for younger people, it might be. Van Wilder is very much a peter pan man child he does not want to leave college and i could fully sympathize with not wanting to leave college yeah. personally my I parents are blossomed rich. in college mm-hmm. yep. and it was amazing fun i actually had large groups of friends for the first time in my life it was incredible i would have totally stayed longer except you know the astronomical amount of money it costs to attend college oh um, that's right this this movie is based on comedian burt kreischer really um, yes. yes he was voted the number one partier in the world by playboy magazine at, at my attending my alma mater florida state university he considered suing and his agent told him there are two types of people in the entertainment business those who get jobs and those who sue 
Mm. So he did not sue over uh, this film. I, but, yeah, I thought, uh, they, thought there was some official legal licensing for this, but I guess his name's not anywhere there? near it. It, it may have been they, there was conversations, and just I forget how it worked. I, I don't know yeah. Burt Kreischer that well. But Well, um, good for yeah. him that he's, I mean, still a successful stand-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And yeah, Ryan Reynolds is the guy from Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place at this point. He's like... Who? But yeah, Ryan Reynolds, pretty unknown, but like his Ryan Reynolds-iness is on full display here. He's fully formed, and it's... I remember watching this and like, this guy's probably going to be really famous. I don't care for this movie, but this guy's probably got good things ahead of him. It's it's a C-grade college film. There's there's If you want your wild, crazy college film, there's definitely better ones than this one. Yeah, well, it's definitely... I mean, they... they has a very back to school vibe is obviously animal house is very indebted to, but I mean, the end, it just kind of felt like sexy Ferris Bueller goes to college. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is more of an R rated Ferris Bueller. And it's like, fine, you know, yeah, I, and they, they pack it with a well. older person appearances from comedies. It's trying to be such as revenge of the nerds, right. animal house yeah. and breakfast club. But I can recall great gags from all of those. I'm trying to f- remember one like really funny gag from this movie and nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you on that too. I don't remember the tech from the real world being in any other movies though. So there's that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Cal Penn got to be star in the sequel because Ryan Reynolds yep. didn't want to. I feel like this has more spinoffs than we realize. You think and so? I, I, I know that there's that one, but then it's like, well, how many... Yeah, are there other oh wait a prequel was released straight to dvd in 2009 so yeah there are technically three van wilder movies see what i'm saying oh this episode what the fuck is going on speaking of closet like i was gonna say closeted sequels but no, like speaking of confusing because i thought this was a second or third in a series it's not and it is completely unrelated no shit the uh, the two leads weren't in another movie together they were in another movie together which was based on a book series and then Okay, so Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd were in Kiss the Girls, mm-hmm. which is based on a series. And then Morgan Freeman was on in Along Came the Spider, which is continuing that series. Okay, that's where I'm... And then Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman come together for a book adaptation. And this whole time, I thought that it was it was part of it, but no, has nothing to do with anything. It's just it's, a reunited cast. It's just confusing. Bruce Davidson, Amanda Pete, Adam Scott, Jim Caviezel, Morgan Freeman, and Ashley Judd in High Crimes. When your husband becomes a stranger and a stranger becomes your only hope i love being a wild card the truth can be a killer hi grimes man ashley judd was the weirdest kind of typecast i you never <laughs> see her in a comedy it's just this woman in fucking trouble all the goddamn time i know i saw kiss the girls in the theater and it's just like i don't need to see any more movies like this so i missed high yeah. crimes and she, she did some romantic comedies and i've forgotten sure. all of them but i remember everything with a poster where she's looking kind of scared of something yes and and this is one, of, one those. of those movies yeah, yeah. it what was her husband actually a war criminal in el salvador Oh no, all of the witnesses have been murdered. I wonder if he has anything to do with it. Well, he's played by Jim Caviezel. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he did it. I'm ruining it for you. Yes. <laughs> I can't say that I have ever watched this. I just liked it. it is directed by Carl Franklin, who is a wonderful director. And we get to talk about one false move in a month. And I'm very happy about Word. it. Word, I'm, I'm, I've had my fill of talking about high crimes. And then uh, moving on to television, 2002, April 1st through the 7th, um, NCAA March Madness Finals. Maryland beats Indiana. 
And uh, I won my office pool. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about uh, Duke basketball. Still Duke still sucks. $40 a day with Rachel Ray debuts. Which So this was all about Rachel Ray spending only $40 in foreign countries or big cities in America and the best food she could get, you know. Uh, Rachel Ray is a very interesting person. She uh, was managing a couple of hotels, started working on teaching cooking classes, and then she got a appearance on the Today Show at the very last minute, and then based solely on that appearance, was signed by the Food Network mm. and just blew up. And this wow. is really her rise. Yeah, my girlfriend at the time was absolutely obsessed with this person to the point of my annoyance. Just because you hear Rachel Ray says, Rachel Ray says. But now, unlike Barney, I carry none of that with me. Forty bucks a day, still. Does that seem a little pricey for twenty years ago? <laughs> it's, it's more like eighty bucks today. Eighty bucks a day. Yeah, that's more like sixty. Yeah. Okay. Sixty yeah. bucks a day eating. Yeah. Yeah, it's doable. And uh, we also have the debut of Degrassi. The Next Generation, a show, Ooh. whoosh, just totally, I'm an American. Uh, we never got yeah. to see these at all. But I, I think this this had uh, concurrent cable airing, so kids could watch this at the same time it was airing in Canada. Huge in Canada. This series reboot starts with the internet, because of course <gasps> in 2002, the internet is very scary. It has a teen meet someone on the internet, go to a hotel to meet that person. Uh-oh. And then he's a 40-year-old dude who invites her up to his room in the hotel and has a camera there and then grabs her mouth and says okay. if she screams, he's going to tape it shut. So oh. the show got dark from day one. And oh. it's a family show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a teen show. for Well, teen and preteen show. As far as my, I had to like ascertain a ton of things about Degrassi. I remember I thought I'd saw it, but I was actually thinking of Square Pegs, something I would only see <laughs> when we went to the beach. I uh, remember that. Yeah, I did not realize that there was 10 years between yeah. Degrassi High and Degrassi The Next Generation. But because I think part of it is because there was a, like a lag before we could see Degrassi yes. Junior High than Degrassi High, Jurassic, Degrassi High <laughs> in the States. And then... Degrassi Next Generation ran so I had no idea. 14 years? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And that's how we got Drake. That's how we got Drizzy. It, it's like Star Trek The Next Generation. It's It might be even more famous and more beloved yeah. than the original. I think it is. Also, Super Duper Sumo's debuts. That's a show I haven't heard of. Yeah. They canceled Invader Zim for this. Oh. And it's three Sumo's wrestlers as protectors of a city and a young girl who hangs out with three huge, giant, nearly naked grown men all the time. <laughs> and it is wall-to-wall -wall ass jokes. I mean, if you want your fill of ass jokes, this will make it fill up to the brim and then some. Ah, uh, a cup full of ass. Can't argue with that. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Sheep in the big city ends uh, that week. I only, oh. only caught a few episodes of, but I, I really liked before yeah, I the same. Where it's like I, I just catch one or another. It, it just catch it every now and then, and just be like, "Well, this is too good for children. <laughs> yeah. uh, this it is was way too too. I don't know, literate for for little kids. They're gonna get this." It was uh, created by a Sesame Street writer slash animator. It's about a sheep who runs from the farm due to the military and then lives in the city for the rest of this series. A lot of fourth wall humor, too. Yeah, two yeah. seasons. Decent stuff, as far as I can remember. And then, very weirdly, video games, nothing. 
Nothing this Couldn't week. Couldn't find anything. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we dig deeper on the Patreon show, patreon.com slash laser time, because these release dates are not always concrete, even up to this era. But yeah, nothing. Let us know if we missed anything in particular. Um, and I bet no one will. And as an outro, Diana has chosen one of my favorite song titles of all time that I was also introduced to by your husband, who mm. anytime he can karaoke... This song, he will put on Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues by McCluskey. <laughs> Which I'm sure he was introduced to by uh, animation by, from Rather Good. Mm. We had, did like the little punk rock kitten version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we will close out with Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues by McCluskey. But stay right there. We got one more segment and then we're done. Don't move. Fearful, I'm fearful, I'm fearful of flying and flying is fearful of me. When she told me the news, turning me on with my lightsaber cocksucking. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of April 1st through 7th, um, it's been going pretty good lately, so I knew we'd have to have an off week. But movies that, yeah, I pretty much just generally like, and I think generally other people will like too. Let's start with 40 years ago this week saw the release of Cat People, the remake, the erotic horror film directed by Paul Schrader. It's got Natasha Kinski occasionally wearing clothing, Malcolm McDowell, John Hurd. It's got uh, that cool theme song by David Bowie that you heard in Inglourious Bastards. It's very 80s stylish, but in a different way, like kind of a neo-noir sort of way than like really ugly 80s. But it's, it's worth a watch. Actually, I like both versions of Cat People. I like the original one quite a bit too from the 40s. And then 80 years ago this week saw the release of Tarzan the Ape Man in 1932, which is the first of the Johnny Weissmiller Tarzan movies, which means it is 80 years since that Tarzan yell. You know the one. You're hearing it in your head right now. And yeah, Johnny Weissmiller was uh, an Olympic swimmer, so he was fine. And those uh, Tarzan movies, I think the ones with Weissmiller are the better ones. And Marino Sullivan, because, you know, she was really great too and i think it'll come as no shock to you that a movie that's 80 years old not especially culturally sensitive and does not represent the people of the massive and diverse continent of africa very well at all better than i expected is a pretty low bar it's still like they're, they're pretty fun 32 you know sound films can be kind of rough there's an awful lot of pauses and such but it's also before the production code so people can get closer to naked so, you know, if you check it out, you might be, you know, pleasantly surprised and see, like, really the origin of all the Tarzan shit that we think of with Tarzan totally comes from Tarzan the Ape Man. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2012 with Starships by Nicki Minaj off of Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. Man, I still associate Nicki Minaj as a new act in my old man head. But 10 years ago, 
She's on the charts. 2012, April 1st to the 7th. Welcome to our final segment. New music releases this week also include Rant by The Future Heads, uh, A&E by Graham Coxon, Thick as a Brick 2 by Jethro Tull. Took them 40 years to do another one. (laughs) (laughs) 2012 by Killing Joke, Curve by Our Lady Peace, and New Life by Monica. We Are Young by Fun featuring Janelle Monae, still number one. A little bit of news to bring you into 2012, tell you what 10 years ago is like, and this is sort of right around the time the internet takes over is kind of like my main thing that I'm paying attention to. And if you were like that, you couldn't avoid Grumpy Cat, but Grumpy Cat is born. Born? Like born. the meme or like the cat itself? The cat itself. The cat born itself. April 4th, 2012. Wow. It, Shouldn't that be at birthdays? <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be tough. Like, that how would I do it in birthdays? Both me and like, Chris. <laughs> she starred in a TV movie where she's voiced by Aubrey Plaza? This, this person, ooh, this actress was dead at seven years old uh, <laughs> yeah grumpy cats out of nowhere is the cat stuff obnoxious yet what do you think in 2012 this is like the height of you know lol cats so which i don't i don't hate cat stuff on the internet i just hate like it's sort of like bill maher's shorthand to like completely dismiss millennial culture cats on the internet and, and grumpy cat was something like oh that's cute once uh, nah. <laughs> she's got some pretty good uh, facial expressions. Her, her shocked look is, yeah. I, I will use that as a reaction for things. Of just a look of like, what the living fuck? I got but my she's own, a grumpy cat. I yeah. got my own grumpy cat. And see, I told yeah. you people, look at that. The U.S. President Barack Obama this week officially secures the Democratic presidential nomination. So it's um, not the president yet? Wait, yes, he is. He's <laughs> president, guys. He He's yeah. he's running for re-election right now. Oh, right. Uh, getting... <laughs> right. The nomination unopposed. for a second time right now. Uh, right. Unopposed but, the dread. I yeah. mean, did anyone think that someone was going to run against him and have that good of a chance? Yeah. No, but there's I mean, always the protest vote. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Big one, it would turn out, four years later. Move on to the movies before we get too depressed. Hunger Games is still number one at the box office, April 1st to the 7th of 2012. But we do have some new movies to talk about, including Keyhole with Isabella Rousselini, Jason Patrick, Kevin McDonald, Udo Kier, and Brooke Paulson. Yeah, I almost didn't put this in here because it's a Guy Madden movie, which are less movies than artistic experiences. He's a very strange Canadian filmmaker. They they make him weird up there. And this is one I feel bad I haven't seen because it sounds really interesting and it got really good reviews. Keyhole is about a bunch of like 30s gangsters who go back to their gang leader's house, which is like haunted. And Sometimes the ghosts are there and sometimes they're not. And yes, it is Kevin McDonald. I, I had to check. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I can't take him seriously. This well, is you're a not serious... supposed to because he tries to have sex with a ghost and then gets murdered. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ghost of my dick. Ghost of my dick. Yeah, but it's, it sounds weird. Like there's a point where they tell everyone, all right, everyone who's dead, line up over there. And like some do. And yeah, Guy Man's a very strange filmmaker. It is. I, I wish I spent more time getting into his stuff because it's very strange. I think he also did, was it Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary? And, um, oh, what's the other? Oh, Saddest Music in the World. I think he did that too. He, he works with Isabella Rossellini a bunch. Saddest Music in the World was really weird, and but a lot of fun. Mm. It was about a contest to, to find the saddest music in the world. And yeah. there's a lady who has a hollow leg full of beer. You better learn how to take Kevin McDonald seriously, JR. He is doing Shakespeare, my future brother-in-law, in... 
a couple of weeks, so I will be, I will be at, I think, <laughs> nice. a meeting Kevin McDonald. I mean, uh, no disrespect for him as an actor, but he's too ingrained in my brain as the mm. kids in the hall characters he One played. of the best I, kids yeah. in the hall. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, put in the comments or something uh, if you've seen Keyhole or if you have recommendations for Guy Madden movies, because like I said, it's hard to call them movies. They feel like art installations. Mm. Anyway. Uh, also out this yeah. week, uh, Damsels in Distress with Greta Gerwig, Adam Brody, Annalie Tipton, Megalyn. Oh, my God, that last name. What am Echi I looking Kanwoke? at? Echikonwoke. Carrie McLemore. And Hugo Becker, Damsels in Distress. So this is another uh, artsier movie, but that also got really good reviews. It's by Whit Stillman, who hadn't made a movie since Last Days of Disco. Whoa. So that's like 14 Not, years. Yeah, it's like 98 or something like that. Yeah, he previously did Metropolitan and, well, what's the other one? Last Days of Disco, I really, really like. And the reviews on this were great, but it barely got released because it's tiny, artsy movie where Greta Gerwig and a bunch of other girls work at like a suicide hotline on a college campus and they also like date guys to help raise their yeah, self-esteem i i tried to watch this and i turned it off i right. it, it's a bunch of characters who are so focusing on trying to improve others and save the world but they're doing that as a method of avoiding improving themselves huh. um and i don't know i i couldn't get into it with stillman stuff can be very hard to get into because it really is Bart Sniffy people talking in rooms. Yep. That's the vast Accurate. majority of it. Yeah. But uh, I admit I had never even heard of this. And so I might go retroactively check it out because it sounds odd. And I love Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Dance in distress. Um, uh, next up, a movie I enjoyed quite a bit. We just <laughs> oh we just went over with a fine tooth comb, Shakes the Clown, just two weeks ago. Here's another entry from the inimitable Bobcat Goldthwait, Timmy Lynn Barr and Joel Murray in God Bless America. God Bless hmm. America. <laughs> so a movie about going on shooting rampages long yes. after we had had an awful lot of real shooting rampages. Yes. Yeah, but this is going against the bad people who we all hate, so it's okay. Uh, he, no. he makes the distinction, not the bad people, the mean people. Mean people. Is it? I mean, he I, makes... I don't know. I didn't watch it. It just seemed like it was, I hate current pop culture, so I'm going to go on a roaring rampage of revenge against all the aspects of pop culture. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. pop culture, but like, okay. uh, like a Bill O'Reilly type mm. and um okay. uh, i think he's targeting a super sweet t 16 star who bitches about getting a bmw for her 16th birthday on a reality show and he mm. befriends a young girl along the way and she they uh, enjoy a small killing spree on their way to an american idol type show who the main character joel murray is mad at for making fun of a mentally challenged person uh live on air which is something you know american idol would have done Hmm. Does does Bobcat have a voice? Uh, does he have an auteur style as a filmmaker? Yeah, I would say so. But uh, but part of that is I don't want to say sloppy, <laughs> but like uh, but like dingy, dingy, squirming, juicing. Yeah, like uh, trying to get a okay. rise out of you with uncomfortable. Like there, I think I teased it. There, there's a scene of a baby getting shot with a shotgun. Okay. Spoiler: <laughs> It's a dream sequence, but it's still on film. And like, who else would do that? I, I don't know, dude. The way you're describing it, I just can't <laughs> picture old man yells at Cloud and then kills people. He's actually quite. He's a little quiet. He's on the quiet side. It's Bill Murray's brother, okay. and you can and you can. Yep. They sound very similar. So yeah, it's, I just I, I I admit I was very curious to watch this, and then the 
the content kind of turned me off. So I, I ended up not doing it. But I feel like we're this long after falling down, mm-hmm. which even in that movie 20 years before addressed the issue of like, I am on a righteous crusade. And then a Nazi shows up and it's like, yeah, buddy. And then you go, Oh, maybe my crusade's not righteous. Right. In that film, you're supposed to start out sympathizing Mm -hmm. and then realize that he's the bad guy by the end. That's why the film explicitly tells you, it's, it's gotta, I'm the bad guy or something to that effect, he I'm says. the bad He does. Yeah. He does. It's got to be around the time he heads to the uh, fast food place and like, the burgers don't look like they do in the pictures. <laughs> Very righteous of you, uh, yeah. defense. It's like there's, I, yes, there's plenty of mean people in, you know, really jacked up pickups that are like tailgating me that I would love to just, fuck you, you're a bad person. I'm going to blow you away. But then there's also plenty of people in jacked up pickups that, think I'm driving too slow and want to blow me away. Which one of us is right? I don't like justifying violence anymore since they tried <laughs> to take over the Capitol. Yeah, I, I, this this movie obviously isn't for everybody and I'm not defending its contents. And the movie doesn't even really go out of its way to defend what's happening mm. and there's things happen and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's it, squirmy is a good way to put it. It's a dark, dark comedy and only one person makes these types of movies the, that make incredibly macabre subjects into humor and that's bobcat goldthwaite that's true he does go darker than the rest i'll give him that one Mm -hmm. so it's it it, yes i always enjoy his movies and i this is not up there with uh like world's greatest dad but i did enjoy god bless america Um, i loved world's greatest dad oh i think it's his masterpiece let me let me re-recommend that for everyone yes i loved it that's his masterpiece finally biggest movie of the week look at this cast maybe you can see where it's going eugene levy jennifer coolidge john Cho, Shannon elizabeth natasha leone uh eddie k thomas mina savari sean williams scott tara reed again thomas ian nicholas chris klein allison hannigan jason biggs why it's a reunion an american reunion nothing brings people together what's up class of 99ers like a reunion is that what i think it is on your face come on yeah 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 let's be done with that on april 6th high school was awesome this is you right i swear i had these all taken down (laughs) but then we graduated and everybody started getting married and all that other stupid crap when you have a kid you have to make your own alone time Michelle? American Reunion. <laughs> that is the like maybe the raunchiest joke I've ever seen in a TV ad. Which one? The girl uh, masturbating? Yeah, that she's using the um shower head. The shower head. Yeah. <laughs> so I've only ever seen American Pie One. I've seen none of the other films. Good for you. <laughs> I rewatched this one and I was actually surprised. It's not amazing, but there were some genuine funny moments. I laughed. I kind of liked seeing these characters. I think it's supposed to be 15 or more year later. You know, they're all grown up. Some are married. Some are not. Some are more successful. Some are not. Uh, Have either of you two been to a high school reunion in real life? Nope. No. I have been back to my hometown plenty. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I I went to one solely because I've seen them in the movies, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to see... (laughs) I'm serious. I, yeah. if, it was, if I hadn't like seen a million high school reunions and movies, I wouldn't have done it. But I was curious what it was actually like. And, you know, there's a lot of that. It's a lot of just like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember. I think this film captures that early 30s experience where you've really got roots down 
and part of you is really wishing you didn't have roots and were a little more free, but you're you're going to keep planting those roots anyways. Yeah, yeah. I I thought about going to one of my high school reunions until I found out it was like eighty nine dollars and you got one drink ticket. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I no, I need to a get drunk and I need to see these people drunk for this to happen. <laughs> this That's is fair. not. I am not doing this sober. Absolutely not, because there's a pretty good chance that I am going to pick a fight with somebody. In the high school uh, I graduated from closed down, so there was, oh, so there was no option. <laughs> yep. So this is the fourth and final American Pie film. Well. But when you start with the five direct-to-video films called American <laughs> Pie Presents, mm. yeah, we absolutely have the record this week for direct-to-video shit. Yeah. That's, in that's insane. Yeah, and this is uh, 10 years since... American Pie 3, American Wedding, I think yeah. it was called. And they like, it was made so cheaply and callously. They like jettison like half the cast, like half the cast isn't in the movie. It's that one. The But as we argued before, even with Sarah, the first American, there's something kind of sweet about the first American Pie. 100%. And totally. it, it's every other and movie is pretty crass and awful. And I still have only seen just the second one, which was the every horrible thing I expected yeah. from American Pie with none of the sweetness at all. Yeah, it wasn't because I, I, I don't think they were in any way trying to recapture that. They just wanted to kind of make as much story to get to some gross out gags that everyone would be talking about as opposed right. to, you know, the heart that was at yeah. the center of American Pie. And this 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 kind of recaptures it a little bit. I'd say it has heart. I mean, there's some real nice scenes with Jim and his dad and Jim's a parent now himself and that does change your relationship with your own parents because you're you're seeing it through their eyes a lot more and jim's dad is the one who needs to get laid so there's some comedy there uh and, mom. <laughs> and there's a lot of talk about people not necessarily doing what they wanted to do with their life and mm. coming to terms with that so i think there's a lot of heart in this movie and there's some genuine funny bits at one point a uh, stifler tries to run a scam that he did back in high school where he goes and knocks on a guy's door because their car broke down and they need to use his phone and the guy says wait none of you three grown men have your own cell phone <laughs> and stifler's like I, I last ran the scam 17 years ago i forgot <laughs> Yeah, it seems like this is probably greenlit during that whatever period Universal was making a lot of longtime sequels to stuff. Chronicles of mm. Riddick and Fast and the Furious bringing back the cast. And it's been about 10 years since the last theatrical American Pie. I think there's several straight-to-video things before and after American Reunion. Yeah. But, uh, oh, it's written and directed by two of the guys behind Cobra Kai. Just like, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. that because, yeah. yeah, Cobra Kai is something like, well, I didn't think I needed this, but it turns out it has more heart than I was expecting. It just, yeah. it, and it's kind of about regret. Okay. If, you're, if you find yourself really nostalgic for American Pie, and I, I was a guy, I saw it week one in theaters, watched it over and over again on DVD, and just, I don't have it. I don't have that nostalgia for American mm -hmm. Pie. I don't care if I ever see them again. And I was quite rewarded going back to watch the first one. Like, this was not as bad and regrettable as I thought it was. Actually pretty uh, reflective of me during this period and, and my friends. And But American Reunion, I didn't get much of, I didn't get that same thing out of it. I'd be willing to see a sequel like five or seven more years from now called American Graduation, where it's their kids graduating from high school. If they could capture the heart that they had in this movie, I'd be down for that. But yeah, 
it, it's not the most amazing thing in the world, but it's better than I expected. The the only the biggest issue I probably have with this movie is I don't think it knows if it's targeting people in their 30s or if it's still high school students. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see how this would have had the same appeal to the high school students 15 years later as it did to maybe oh, where was I? I'm trying to remember how old I was. I would have been 19. Yeah, whatever. Like, uh, but, but American reunion, it's just like, I'm trying, I had it in my notes. I can't find it now of what it reminded me of. But like when they, they make a sequel to a comedy 10 years later and it's just, but in this case, like no one's really aged and all have the same haircuts. <laughs> uh, I just, I just didn't see it as like this, this grand reunion of a thing that was super important to me. Maybe I'm, maybe that's just my age and my own personal bit of yeah. nostalgia. I just, I'm more of a true sequel than just kind of what felt like cheap cash in sequel, especially that second one. Yeah. It just felt like this is for money. Yeah. You, you, you want dick jokes? We got your dick jokes. Well, remember in the third one where they have a wedding and don't invite any of their friends from the first two movies, just Stifler. Mm. The guy they hate and yeah. <laughs> the adversarial one. So, I, yeah, I guess if you think of this as like the, yeah, American Pie 1 and this kind of complete the circle. And who knows, maybe 10, 10 years from now we see another one. I don't, I don't think I would make, would you make an American Pie movie theatrically at this point? Hmm. With the right script, I think you could. Although comedies in theaters are pretty rare these days. So you'd have to... But I just think, I, I think that was the the diff- American Pie is like a pleasant, not terribly offensive sex comedy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I don't know, they, they did they do tackle more adult things at American Reunion. But like, how do you do that for forty year olds? Right. And, yeah, that's the big problem. When you're doing a sex comedy about teenagers, you're mm-hmm. dealing with people who have had zero sex in their life. When you're doing a sex comedy with people in their 40s, it's like these people have had sex two to 3,000 times in their life. Probably bored. How do you make the 3,564th time funny? Yeah, <laughs> where you're not dominated, you're not at the age where you're dominated by those urges, which is yeah. why, at least when I saw the first American Pie, that's why it worked. We all sort of were. I, mm-hmm. A lot of us got laid after watching American Pie in the theaters. It was a common thing. Yeah. Made really, yeah, kind of like it. Yeah, it was, it was a movie that was in a remember, they're like, they're like no podcasts or like frank sexual discussions anywhere but the movie theater. This and Loveline and Loveline, but, Loveline. but we didn't have Loveline <laughs> with uh, Dr. Drew and Adam uh, Carolla, the the, yeah. the MTV yeah. show, but the, the, the radio show is the fun one. But yeah, American Reunion is out this week. Moving on to television of 2012, April 1st to the 7th, the community episode, Pillows and Blankets. Ah, oh man, is this a it's, and this burns? Is, what you've given us so much. <laughs> it's a it's a rare two part community episode. For the no, person. it's a one part. No, 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 because there's 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 the episode where they start it, and then there's like the documentary episode about the yeah. The, the previous episode kicked off the idea of we should make a pillow fort. No, we should make a blanket fort, mm-hmm. and then that conflict becomes an entire episode. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Becomes the documentary about the brutal war between what was it uh, Blanketsburg and New Fluffy Town. <laughs> As a narrator, it's the debut of Keith David, who would eventually go on to be a full fledged cast member. Yeah. And that's I, I love that's that's not at all confusing to me. And is this is this a little of Keith David's narration? It is. It is. Uh, there's so many great lines, but this is at the top. The North Cafeteria, named after Admiral William North, is located in the western portion of East Hall, 
gateway to the western half of North Wall, which is named not after William North, but for its position above the South Wall. It is the most contested and confusing battlefield on Greendale's campus, next to the English Memorial Spanish Center, named after English Memorial, a Portuguese sailor that discovered Greendale while looking for a fountain that cured syphilis. <laughs> Why this show is still talked about years later. It was never the ratings juggernaut, but mm. by God, it deserves to last. When it, when it hit Netflix, that's why I love bringing it up. When it hit Netflix, hearing everyone I knew who didn't watch it finally watch the show was mm -hmm. so rewarding. Like, fuck, I should have listened yeah. to you 15 years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, you should have. And there's a scene in this where Starburns is getting like the massage circle going down in the blanket fort. And I got to say, if your college is building a huge fort out of blankets, I feel like there's somewhere in that fort would be a ton of nookie going down. Yeah. Too comfy. Yeah. Too many sheer, sheer uh, pajamas going on. Uh, wouldn't know. My college never did anything like that. God, I wish I went to Greendale. No. <laughs> uh, what a, a six-year community college. I also have NCAA March Madness Finals. Kentucky beats Kansas this week. Who could forget? Ultimate Spider-Man debuts this week. This was a mistake. Oh, it oh. made Spider-Man too unrelatable. They had S.H.I.E.L.D. control the high school so that removes a huge amount of danger from Spider-Man's life. They gave Spider-Man gadgets to solve everything. So that removes a huge part of the Spider-Man character. And there was no romance in it, which re removes another huge part of the Spider-Man character. I, I'd say this is probably the weakest Spider-Man cartoon since the 60s version. Oh, shit. That's, uh, well, I, I mean, I love the comic series ultimate spider-man which is oh the ultimate comic series is fantabulous i would recommend that to anyone which if diana didn't know is to maybe not confuse news fans of spider-man having to jump into the 700th issue they're like well there's this ultimate universe where spider-man will basically happen again but things will be a little more modern and happen much faster uh yeah. <laughs> but uh, i love this i i tore it up and that's where miles morales comes out of mm -hmm. um, and the mcu version of spider-man has a lot of the ultimate spider-man in it it's yes. way more close to that than it is the, oh yeah like his uh, identity Stan being known by shield yeah. immediately yeah. and mm -hmm. uh yeah I, I never i never did get to see this where did this air uh, ultimate Spider-Man? Uh, yeah. it doesn't matter because it's on mm -hmm. disney plus uh, they somehow secured all the Spider-Man rights for that. And then uh, Best Friends Forever also debuts this week. Two best friends post-divorce. One friend has had the divorce <laughs> and moves in with her best friend. But her best friend has a boyfriend, so conflict. Oh, the last six uh, episodes before cancellation. Yeah, but it's uh, Lennon Parnum and Jessica St. Clair, who right. are both really funny improv I actors. I think they have a show now together. Yeah. Well, they, they've had more than one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just, I haven't seen them. Yes, they're both very funny. Great in review, both of them. Scandal debuts. That's a big Ooh, one. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not completely caught up with the Shondaverse, but uh, we did a whole podcast about it. And uh, Scandal was a pretty significant phenomenon that I think led the creator to get uh, like the most money ever for a showrunner from Netflix, like to make other stuff. Scandal, yeah. I don't know anything. I remember it was described to me in a podcast, and that's the most I ever knew about Scandal. Takes place in D.C. Yes. It 
focuses on a woman named Olivia Pope, who's a crisis management, and uh, she works with the White House, and her and the president have an affair. It's melodrama, a guilty pleasure that knows exactly what it wants to be. All right. What mm -hmm. about yeah, if The West Wing wasn't preachy and it was more melodramatic. <laughs> uh, what about Magic City? I don't have any details on that. So Stars is to Cinemax as Cinemax is to HBO. And this was their attempt to try to make right. high-quality drama. It's the 1950s, the latter part of the 1950s. It's Miami Beach. Fidel has just taken over Cuba and a hotel is run by our protagonist, but it has deep ties to the mafia. And it's all about the, get this, a morally ambiguous lead male character. I know that. I know. Mm, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> And I, I do got to point it out in the first episode, there's a sex crazy girl who has sex because they need the TNA apparently, but this is taking place in the pre pill world. And that's something that always kind of gets to me because before effective and widespread birth control, a woman having sex was a huge, huge risk. And that's mm -hmm. not usually addressed in period dramas um, well or at all. Mm. And it's yeah. not in this one. And, uh, oh, speaking of being set in Miami, David Caruso is looking for work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting to do that the whole episode. Lame-ass joke. But CSI Miami is canceled. I believe one of the highest rated, it was higher rated than the original CSI for a while there. Um, but uh, didn't didn't have the staying power. CSI Miami is now gone. In my world, what I was... No, I wasn't excited about it just yet. Game of Thrones, season two. Yep. I remember Umber. I had to go back and like rewatch the whole damn first season because there were so many characters, I was getting lost. Mm. So rewatch yep. the first season ahead of watching the beginning of the second season. And then what do they do? They throw more characters at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, George Double so R will do that. Game of Thrones was successful season one, but it wasn't remotely the cultural powerhouse that it would become later on. That took, I'd say, a full three seasons for it to just become huge. So when this debuted, pe people, especially nerds, were excited for it, but it wasn't yes. like season two of The Sopranos. Yeah. It was it was big, but it wasn't huge, huge. The episode and the series as a whole really focuses on the question of legitimacy in politics. Fundamentally, who has the right to rule? Who has the right to be in power? And there's a big line about that in this episode. Prominent families often forget a simple truth. I found. And which truth is that? Knowledge is power. Seize him. Cut his throat. Stop. Wait. I've changed my mind. Let him go. Step back three paces. Turn around. Close your eyes. Power is power. I love Cersei. So, yeah, Cersei is not a nice person, mm -hmm. but the men who hold the swords and are willing to kill believe that she has the power to rule them. And because they have that belief, she does because that's how legitimacy works. It's value neutral. It's who believes that they have the right to rule and are they believed by others? And, yeah. and it, it's and that's, I mean, the whole, 
the whole second season. I mean, this is we're, we're kicking off the the War of the Five Kings. We get to mm. meet some of the other kings that are joining <laughs> in on it. Oh, I think Rob Stark gets proclaimed king of the North, and Stannis shows up, and he's got his red lady with him. And I yeah. I hated Stark Stannis at the beginning of the series, but as the seasons progressed, I was Team Stannis the Manus. I was team team Stannis the Manus all the way until he did a very bad thing. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but I, I, I always try and remind Game of Thrones haters everything Jr. just said, everything Diana just said. It, this this show is a fascinating. It's not just murder and sex and 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 very little. What would you call it? Magic. Yeah, very. It's a low fantasy world. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it's a it's a show about seizing power. It's a it's a mm-hmm. about politics and it. I got into the books. I think I finally jumped back on the series because I thought the finale of the season was something like, oh, fuck, I always wanted to see that on screen. Otherwise, the show, I thought the first two seasons, having read the books, like this is very slow and boring and a literal, little more literal a- uh, adaptation than I expected. And then the third season just gets crazy. And the mm-hmm. less George Double R's books are involved, the more exciting and streamlined the shows get. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, I would disagree completely. I think once they move from the books, the series collapses. Oh, no, I no, think no. Uh, I got way more interested the up until the last season. The... Exact opposite. Mm. I thought there was a complete steady downgrade uh, season by season. And by the end, it was just a pure hate watch for me. That's what Lost was for me. Why am I bringing that up? It's weird that we have Scandal and Game of Thrones together because I feel like they have actually a lot in common. Yeah, I can see that. They were, There's an they're... awful lot of politicking and creating alliances and backstabbing and having the information that you need at just the right time. And I, I believe they're largely two of the last vestiges of appointment television as we enter the streaming era i was i knew it at the time but i you can hear me podcast about it when game of thrones was over i'm like we will never have another week-to-week show like this as as a society we will we will be splintered up through different streaming services different times watching this is the last time we get to experience something together like this oh god i'm gonna miss it even though that last season who boy (laughs) moving on to the games of 2012 uh look at that devil may cry hd collection collecting devil may cry 1 2 and 3 on ps360 that is out this week, as is I Am Alive on PSN. Oh, wow, I barely remember that. This was announced in 2006, yes. and it didn't come out until 2012. Right. It's about uh, post-apocalyptic dust. Oh. Uh, and then, oh, Connect Star Wars, I believe. I remember Dave had that Star Wars Xbox. It made it looked like R2-D2 and made R2-D2 noise when you presses the buttons. You and, can see the pitch meeting, though. Yeah. You know, it's like we've got the Connect. What person hasn't wanted to swing a lightsaber? So here we go. Go swing your lightsaber. But the problem with motion controls as a gaming device is it's very imprecise, very limited. You can't really do a lot of the very specific combinations that you like to do in video games. So it's just kind of flailing about. So they had a dancing game with Han Solo. That's what they made instead for this. And that's the only part of this game that has had any resonance whatever the embarrassing the thing part. <laughs> people hated still you see references to and you know if robot chicken had done some of those dances the fans would have lapped it up <laughs> mm-hmm. but because it's on an official star wars games they hated it i hated it we also have saturday morning rpg on ios not something i'm familiar with it's a really fun game it celebrates the saturday morning cartoons of our youth it has a super paper mario style combat 
system uh, where you do uh, timer events to make them effective. There is a deluge of references, and no one who was not a child in the 80s will appreciate this in the slightest. There's a great commercial for it, though. Mm. You may recognize the voice. <laughs> Marty Hall is an average high school student who has just been granted an incredible power. He is able to channel magic through everyday objects. This power was gifted to him on behalf of a mysterious benefactor known only as the Wizard. Is it Peter Cullen? I think so. It sure sounds like it to me. A voice of Optimus Prime himself. And that is about it for uh, 2012. And we're going to tell you who died during this period and do a quiz on who was born during this period. But first, we're going to tell you patreon.com slash laser time is how we're supported. The whole network, this show, Video Game Apocalypse, Laser Time, listen to all those, tell a friend, la di da di da, Diana. Yep. Where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listeninerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. This was sort of like a weird week, but we got uh, a couple just bangers next week, man. We've got a musical about Joseph Pulitzer <laughs> that for some reason people love. Mm-hmm. It's like beloved now, and I, I don't understand. Ironic love? No. Or genuine love? I don't know it. Genuine love. There is genuine love that it went back on stage. It was made for movies and it became a stage musical where Christian Bale's going to sing and dance about papes. Uh, And if that weren't enough, probably the best Hong Kong action film of all time. And if that weren't enough, probably the best postmodern horror movie of all time where we go out into the woods where there is a cabin. I know. And if that wasn't enough, the best Super Nintendo game of all time. Uh Oh, okay. JR, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at J-R-R-A-L-L-S. They can also find me on Talking Terrific Television, a chronological examination of The Sopranos. This week, we are examining the Pen Ultimate episode. Oh, okay. Is that, no, does Phil get his head run over? I can't remember, but try and work that's, in a, That's the ultimate episode. Try and work in a couple Rocketed references. one before. Work in a couple Rocketed references. Get the crossover going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally, as promised, deaths. Who died during this week of 302010? Oh, man. Bunch of people died. Uh, starting in 1992 is when we lost Isaac Asimov, who was 72. And uh, he died of AIDS. This was kept secret at the time. I didn't uh, know he got it. He got it from a blood transfusion, but because of the stigma, he didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. Um, but... Blood transfusion while he was getting a triple bypass. I mean, this sucks. It's yeah. like, we saved your life. Oh, wait, never mind. But yeah. Fantastic author. Uh, really one of the foundation stones of science. Oddly enough, uh, his most famous work, the Foundation series, he didn't think it was that great mm. he was asked to uh write sequels for it and he hadn't read it in like 30 years and he read it and said this isn't really that good guys but he wrote uh, something like 500 books and i think there was some sort of some sort of statistic that he had uh, such a wide range of knowledge and interest that he had a book in like every part of the dewey decimal system <laughs> wow yeah, pretty interesting dude and and a dirty old man. He admitted it. He just he liked being a dirty old man. He's a pincher. Back when that was a, a better thing, I guess. Uh, but we also lost. Speaking of giant Sam Walton, who's seventy four, the founder of fucking Walmart. At one wow. point, the richest man in America. And I I do like to remind everyone: Walmart made record profits during the pandemic. Sam Walton has been dead for thirty years. All that money went to his family, who had nothing to do with the. <laughs> 
the success of Walmart at all, and your taxes go to subsidize their workers because they won't pay them enough to live. Yep. Steal from Walmart anytime you can, please. please do. They don't yeah. check self-checkout. Just do it. And then, oh, man, we got some more. 2002, this one hurt me. Uh, Lane Staley was 34, Ugh. lead singer of Alice in Chains. Overdosed on a speedball, was not found for two weeks. It's a pretty horrible story. Like, that dude was holed up in his apartment for a very, very long time. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone uh, saw it coming. Oh, yeah. That, thousand percent. Heroin. Heroin bad. Heroin plus cocaine. Even worse. Someone who lived a very long and very full life, unlike Lane State. Uh, the deadliest sniper in World War II, Simo Heia. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, of Finland, who was 96. He fought in the Winter War, which was Finland versus the Soviet Union. In four months, he had 542 confirmed kills. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Probably more. He's the, the deadliest sniper I think that's ever been confirmed. I yet. mean, if this is a video game, imagine all the, the souls and runes he sucked up with that many kills. Of course he lived <laughs> to 96. Good Lord. Yeah. Good so, Lord. Yeah. Put that in perspective. He killed... He, <laughs> he lived in 96 because death was afraid to come for him. Because yeah. he kicked off from a quarter mile away. He killed four and a half people Every single day for a four-month period. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah. Ugh, I play a lot of video yeah. games, and I don't even have that kind of record. Well, fuck with Finland. Oof, shant. And then in 2012, he lost Jim Marshall, creator of the Marshall Amplification System, also known as the Marshall Stacks. Oh. Yeah, the finest of rock and roll amplification. He was 88. And we lost Mike Wallace, the journalist, 60 Minutes guy. For, he was 93. Yeah, uh, the Mike Wallace documentary, by the way, which I forget oh, where you yeah. find it. Mike Wallace is here is great. Uh, truly a fascinating guy, just who didn't start out as a journalist either. It's an interesting yep. story. Mm -hmm. <sighs> now that we've talked about death. Who was born, not died, who was born during this period of 30, 2010, April oh. 1st through the 7th. It's birthdays! 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 Oh, birthday is a doodly do, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do. Well, let's start with happy 100th birthday, Doris Day. Whoa! Unfortunately, Whoa. she didn't make it to see 100, but oh. she came really close. She did. Yeah, she made it to 97. She, she did. Died in 2019. Okay. Yeah. Solid run. Very solid run. So, throw that out there, but. Our actual birthday boy, turning 53 years old, born April 6, 1969 in Passaic, New Jersey, to British-born Eastern European Jews. They moved around a bunch, settled in Kansas City. He went to University of Kansas, American Academy of Dramatic Arts, British American Drama Academy, and worked as a bar mitzvah DJ and glazing hams. Adam <laughs> those, Sandler. Those things don't go together. Yeah, no. uh, uh, he made his debut... TV debut on Sisters in 1992, which we talked about. Sisters. So not the, not Sister Sister. Not Sister Sister. Um, he played a film student. I don't know. All right. Movies of his we've talked about. There are a fucking lot. Monsters vs. Aliens. Year one. How do you know? Night at the Museum. Uh, Jack Black? Nope. Oh. 200 Cigarettes. The X. The Cider House Rules. Object of My Affection. Romeo and Juliet. Reno 911 Miami. John Leguizamo? No. Oh. JR, you want to throw a guess out? Some guy. Oh, close. Good. Yes. Good guys. I could never be your woman. Knocked up. The 10. Walk hard the Dewey Cox story. Get it, Sarah Marshall. Uh, Jason Siegel? Role models. Oh. Uh, uh, not Paul Rudd? It is Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Woo. Took Wet Hot American Summer, I Love You Man, Our Idiot Brother, Wanderlust are the other things we have talked about. I know, it's just... You had... Our reigning sexiest man alive, it took you that long? Reigning sexiest man alive, and by the way, 
was on Conan O'Brien's podcast this week and still managed to sneak in a Mac and me clip. Unbelievable. I, I went to do research. How many times has he done that? It's, I found 11 times yeah. in 18 years. Yeah, I found I and found four. Did it on the podcast where you can't even tell what it is. And Conan is so happy pissed because he's like, it doesn't work in a podcast. <laughs> I, I hope someday we invent like neurological transmitters from brains to other brains just so that he can have another medium to play the Mac and me clip. I just want to know whose whose funeral does it get played at? Is it just whoever dies first? I mean, you got to set up. This is a clip of us and like the days we loved each other so much. And because Paul Rudd set it up with this long ass thing about I'm going to be on a podcast by Audible and it's going to have these guys on it. Worked really hard, and I'd really love to show you a clip of it. Boom! And if I I, I tried to collect a montage of him doing that on Conan over the years, he's like, yeah, I got a clip from the series finale of Friends. Yes. I think I organically was watching when he first did it. This is Mac and me. I remember that girl runs out. Uh, the camera seems to be rolling before her cue, so she's just standing there. It's a great thing to notice in the clip. The girl starts running a little a little later than the scene starts. Have you seen the MST 3K oh, yeah. version of Mac and Me? Pretty yeah. nice. Oh, God, yeah. Pretty nice. That is officially the only Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode I saw the movie in theaters when it wow. debuted, which is something you know mostly old people get to say. But uh, I guess here we are. That's true. There's a lot of those movies I had seen but none I had seen yeah, in Yeah, never theater. when they debuted in theaters. Just Because mm-hmm. I only remember, because I very vividly remember the end of the movie, they blow the bubblegum bubble that says, we'll be back. And my mom was like, that was fucking stupid. And she's very rarely critical of all the crap we took her to. Did not care for Mac and me. Happy birthday, Paul Rudd. God Happy birthday, Paul Rudd. You're too cute and I can't stand it. <laughs> all right. Well, that is the end of our show. Patreon.com slash laser time. Check out Talking Terrific Television, Diana's Twitter. And to take us out, we will be going out with what? If You Ask Me by Celine Dion? Yeah, I figured. We pushed it off from last week because all right. we wanted to do an Elton John song. So, yeah, let's listen to a big early Celine hit that I didn't recognize the title. And then I played two notes. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. Uh, well. All right. Well, if you ask me by Celine Dion, we'll take 30, 20, 10 out, but make sure to tell a friend about the show. Rate us on your podcatcher. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. You ask me to, and just might change my mind and let you in my life forever. If you ask me to, and just might give my heart and stay here. And now, as promised at the top of the show, everything that was edited out of this episode, because it's too hot for podcasting. Happy April. Let's do it. Which one? Uh, 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 just, oh my god. Uh, um. Uh, uh, but, um. Uh, hey. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, um, yeah. But, uh, 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 and, uh, 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 I, 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 like, uh, 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 I, uh, 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 u
And yeah. uh, uh, and um, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, 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 uh um, uh, 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 a, uh, uh, it's uh, 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 um, you know, uh, 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 yeah, so, uh, 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 and, uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, 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 um, yeah, uh, just, uh, 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 um, uh, 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 Yeah.